version 2.0 i am dan this is episode 225 just found out jesse has crabs been a rough, rough <laughs> pretty, week dan pretty interesting conversation <laughs> it's been a real rough week <laughs> what does kayla think <laughs> no she doesn't know and he's had him for four years apparently <laughs> yeah stubborn that's the, that's the weird part stubborn bastards nick's with us this week say hi nick <laughs> Of course, Jesse's here. Justin's here. So, what's going on, guys? So, Nick, where were you last week, man? What's up? Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, I was in California. Oh, what were you doing there? You were you were uh, wedding wedding crashing there, weren't you? Yeah, my my uh, half brother got married. Uh-huh. So went down there for that, which was cool. Went well. Got the the whole family from my dad's side was down there, so got to see people nice. I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, so it's you know one of those uh, kind of must do sort of weekends. Mm-hmm. You got to do those things when they come up. Was it? Uh, did you did you get out of the rain for a while? Is that kind of <laughs> No, <laughs> still raining down there. Yeah. It did? <laughs> yeah, oh, which man. is pretty impressive. Was it warmer? Um, It was a warmer rain. Slightly warmer? Slightly warmer <laughs> rain, but it was still yeah. rain. Rain yeah. is rain. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. But True. hey, you know what? I came home to goodies, which oh? is, I, I love. I love coming home to goodies. You um, tell. Not only did A, I buy a whole bunch of camera stuff, but that's beside the point. I came home too. So I, I didn't mention this. Um, kind of because I forgot, but now that it's all remedied, uh, I think it's fair to let everyone know. I actually did have an issue with my bump controller. Um, there were, uh, since this was, these were, the one that I got was first batch. I mean, absolute first batch straight out of production. And they had, you know, I looked around a little bit, maybe a handful, if that, of issues with them. And they were all kind of really random. Uh, I talk to uh talk to the guys about it and they were just like hey i think they're just working out um the quirks with the manufacturing process so i got back that was all taken care of obviously they did a great job of taking care of it um and it was just the the touch portion of the screen quit working but it was shipped out and back within a week so uh really nice yeah really nice that they um you know they're taking care of it and from what i've read now that those uh, couple small issues were done, it's all good to go. So it was kind of cool because I got to put that back in. I did the update. Now I have full manual control on mine, which is really nice. Uh, you don't have to. So for those, I know we mentioned it a bit back, but it's a firmware update that now you can manually charge any battery that's hooked up. It doesn't have to have a bump sticker on it. 
Sweet. Yeah, so also with that, I've got, um, well, hey, screw it. Uh, no, I'll wait. I'll make that announcement. I got a couple more goodies that showed up, but we'll wait till we get into the show a little bit, and then I'll make that announcement. Oh, you Practice. Mm. I know. I, swear. I know, I know. But it kind of has to do with that. But it's cool because this is going to be a fairly big announcement that I think a lot of people are going to kick, going to get a kick out of. Huh. So, yeah, it was just kind of tinkering, getting everything I'll put together, getting my firmware up uh, updated on everything. Um, yeah, I am very excited. The weather has turned for the better this week. Yes. And, I see no reason that I'm not going to be getting out and getting some flying in this weekend. I've got. Are you, fi- what's that? Are you feeling a little sick tomorrow? Oh, dude. <laughs> I would yes, love to. I, Is that I, I flaring up again? I would absolutely love to. But if you could. Uh, yeah, no. no. I, I mean, <laughs> it's so bad at work right now. We are setting incompetence records i mean it's just <laughs> dude amazing. i i hear you i'm right there with you nick i know what you mean so i absolutely have to or who knows i mean they'd probably burn the place down or you might get more freedom than you want yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so no i wish but you know that's all right trailers all cleaned up uh after dan came over and we made a ginormous mess everywhere but no, it's I'm ready to go, man. Nice. Ready to go. No simming. I haven't been simming. I've been seeing everyone, you know, writing up about it and making posts and I don't know, dude. Having a hard so, time. Sounds cool. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a great <laughs> that idea. Sim but thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean I'm with you, dude. It's been a struggle. Every time I sit down oh, at yeah. mine, it's just kinda like what what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What is this? I think I'm at that. I think I'm at that part of uh, I'll call it winter, I guess slash right bef- the the tease of spring, where I'm just over it. You know, it's like I am ready to fly. Uh, when we went out there and and flew the other weekend, I'm not feeling the the spring lag. I, I feel like I'm right there where I was before winter. So I, I don't feel like I'm playing catch up. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm out there flying just as hard and having as fun as I was when I went into winter. So I'm just like, ah, I just want to get out there and actually get real stick time in over and over and over just that nonstop and, and start working on some stuff. And I think once I do that, that will probably get me remotivated because I'll spend like one or two good days like that out at the field. And then I'm going to realize that I don't have anything new I want to work on. <laughs> and that's the same flight again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then it'll just be, you know, that's kind of usually how I am. I wait for it to hit. And then when it does hit, it's like, okay, got to learn this this week. And I'll just like sim, 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 nonstop for a week or two until I get it to the point where I can go out there and do it. But yeah, stoked. Is that all you got? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it was. So what happens when you're gone for a week. Yeah. Kind of shuts. So who's next? Who wants to go next? Anybody else do anything, Paul? I'll go. Mm-hmm.
When building a new helicopter, it is a relief to know that I don't need to worry about what brand of servos I'm going to use. Now that I have hundreds of flights on multiple sets of BK servos, I have no problem running them on any heli and recommending them to anyone. For me, they bring everything to the table that I need in a set of servos. Strength, speed, cost, and of course, looks. With the sexy machined aluminum cases and affordable gear sets, I definitely know which servos are going on my next heli. Check them out at bkservo.com. I have done absolutely nothing fun. I have not flown yet. Still. St Dude, when was the last time you actually we, So we talked about this. We talked about this last episode. <laughs> my guess was wrong. Just yeah, you. I think I guessed OHB. Yeah, Jesse guessed <laughs> OHB, which I was like, holy shit, man. No, absolutely not. That would have driven me nuts. I would have guessed OHB. Did you? Yeah. No, it was in at least in my log. It's like January 28th. Okay, so hey, it's, it, dude, it's almost April. I know, man. I know. <laughs> I understand that. Thank you. Yes, it's really rough. I don't like admitting it now. I kind of felt bad because after saying that on the last week's episode, got like three or four listeners that sent me emails and private messages on Facebook being like, hey, man, I feel really bad for you, but not really because the last time I flew was and then they sent pictures of their flight logs uh, on their phones or on their computer. And some of them are like November. Yeah. So, and and you know I when relate, I went I back and, to that, uh, yeah. And I went back and listened to this last week's episode. And Dan, you actually said the same thing yeah. like before last weekend at Nick's. You hadn't flown in what like four or five months. Yep. Jen, don't just let him after, turn this around. Huh? <laughs> There's no denying it. That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's that's rough. So I, I haven't flown this week, but like you, Nick, I do have hope because the weather each day, the weather has gotten even better. And with the spring forward on daylight savings time, that's, you know, that's always like you, you feel like you've made some progress towards the season when that occurs. And the reason is because now I can get out of, of work at my regular time. And still have a good 30 minutes of daylight, maybe even an hour, depending on how light the, the work day was. And I can run across to 60 acres, put in a couple of flights, uh, even if I didn't make it out for lunch and I'm good to go so I can get flying in again. And that is going to be key because I feel super behind. I mean, I know you guys have been flying and Nick, you I mean, you've pretty much maintained a decent level of stick time throughout the whole winter haven't you yep i, I mean didn't not like, a lot Pro no not a lot not even but i i mean i was getting out in the past every two weeks pretty consistently yeah. yeah so that i mean that's that's a big deal uh and i haven't had that and i haven't as we just discussed been doing much with the sim and you know why i finally realized it this week, sitting down trying to do the sim, what I realized is the reason I don't like it and I don't want to do it right now is because it reminds me of what I'm not doing, 
which is flying the actual helicopters. So it just gets me in a like a funk and an aggravated mood. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to focus on this. Screw this crap. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, the sim has not been working out for me. But what I did do this week, which I was actually pleased with myself about, I got into one of those. I don't know. I guess you call it like a, a cleaning spree. I don't know if you guys have the same reaction. I'm generally not interested in cleaning. In fact, I hate cleaning every aspect of it. And so what what I need to get me into the mood to clean is something's got to really aggravate me where like I can't find a tool and it's like, oh, hell no, this is over. This ends now. It's going down. And that's basically what happened. I was I've been working on this discharger and uh, boy, if you saw my electronics bench, you would just it would blow your freaking mind. Well, I couldn't find a freaking tool, a wire stripper hiding under all of that crap. So I just went on a freaking rampage and started cleaning. And the result is that my garage is completely cleaned up now. Uh, you can see the floor. I threw a bunch of crap away and to top it all off, I found stuff, which is always the greatest thing right around springtime, right? <laughs> I, I found spare servos, pretty cool, two, two tail servos. I found, oh, I found a spare Bavarian demon, fly barless oh, system. <laughs> wow. I found some receiver packs that for some reason I thought I had given away last year at one of the fun flies, but I hadn't. They just were stuck in, uh, in, well, what were they? They were stuck in like a, in one of my, uh, plastic crates where I keep spare stuff, spare electronics parts. Uh, I found a pair of blades for the 380. That was really cool. That was under my, uh, my son's toys. And what else? Did I find anything else? I think that, oh, no, I did. I found a spare HP power supply, <laughs> a, a DPS 1200 <laughs> that I had never <laughs> modified. So I, I <laughs> that was pretty exciting. I went and modified that. I've got yet another 13 and a half volt supply that I can. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it, but I'll do something. So kind of cool. Uh I've still got a bunch of crap laying around, so it's useful when I actually find stuff that I can put towards, uh, put towards the hobby. The, the Diablo speed is, I believe now at the point where I have a full and comprehensive list of parts that, uh, I need to replace. It is an offensive list. Uh, I think it <laughs> is a bigger and more expensive list than the last time this happened. Uh, so right now, my best estimation is drum roll, please. $1,638. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Well, wow. now, now, let's, to be fair, 200 of that is blades. Okay. Because I did lose the blades in Why the crash. Why is that fair? Well, uh, so I want to make sure that it's clear that that's not 
1600 bucks of just heli parts like of minicopter parts you know what i mean of airframe parts. of airframe parts thank you that's yeah, what i don't I think going. it really matters I know who you're giving your money to. Ooh, so it was it's still $1,600. The bill it's, is still the same. It's still an offensive number. I agree. But 200 is blades. And then I lost one pack in the crash, which I counted. So that's like another, what, 180 bucks. But still, so say, say $400 of non-airframe. That's still 1250 bucks of airframe. That sucks. I am not happy about that. And that's the, mm. you know what, you know what I don't like? That's the second time that the tail has blown up in one year. Yeah. Um, you don't think I haven't thought about that one, Nick? <laughs> I I hear you, dude. And I mean, here's the deal. Like I'm getting prepped for the competition season. It has to be my unlimited model, my full fuselage model, because I will not. The TDS is not going to be available. We heard from Jan at Rotor Live last weekend. He's working his ass off just to fulfill all the TDR2 orders. So he's not even publicizing a date for the release of the TDS upgrade, which means I'll get my TDR2 probably in the next few weeks. And that'll be my uh, basically my high powered pod and boom. But I have to have the Diablo ready for fuselage competition. Oh, that's scary, man. I don't mind telling you. Because with every time this stuff happens twice now, it you I mean, you know how that is. It's the same as on a 3D model. You start to get you start to lose faith. Yeah. Or or lose confidence. And it's like when you start doing that, then you don't give it your all or you're not pushing it to the limits. And then that affects my ability to even be competitive. So I I have not thought through exactly what I'm going to do to remedy it. I, I, I'm going to get it rebuilt, but I can't say it hasn't crossed my mind that I'm not sure whether I should trust it to stay together. Well, at least, I mean, can you like, can you buy multiples of the part that you're failing and, and do like a flight count routine of swapping them out? I mean, something. Well, yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that because me and a number of other people that have DSs, uh, for example, Santiago, my buddy, uh, who has uh, a Diablo Speed, we've talked about the same exact thing, which is, you know what? What we might do is basically put a flight count against the tail blades and against the tail hub. And no, neither of those components will make it past, say, 25 flights. Or what you do is you get a set, you fly them for a couple, make sure that they're safe and nothing anomalous is happening. Then you pull the entire tail assembly off and you pack it away. And that's your competition tail. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then you go that's and do practice idea. on another tail set. Yeah, but it doesn't that do... That sounds absolutely retarded as I hear myself say all this, just for the record, <laughs> but I don't know what else to do. Yeah, because that's like saying, ah, it's okay if it blows up, not in competition. Yeah, when I'm practicing. Yeah. It's, it's not okay, but I I don't have another fuselage. 
Hi. So. Flight count, man. Like like 50 flights. How many did you get on it between breakages? Uh, about, that, about 50. Yeah, so I'd say 40 30. or 50. Every 30. Yep, I'm liking 25. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what do you have to replace every 25 flights? Just the blades? No, it's so here's the deal. I mean, and I want I want to make sure I'm being completely fair about this. No no one yet knows what the what the situation is. We <laughs> when don't they know, blow up at that speed. <laughs> yeah, there's not much evidence r- remaining or certainly not relevant evidence. Uh, as I said, when it happened, the tail hub, uh, grip that let go is probably somewhere in Miami or, you know, Tampa Bay or somewhere like that or Nebraska <laughs> or Nebraska. So, you know, it, it, it's really difficult to see, uh, or, or completely assess the situation. So we don't know if it's a, is it a flaw in the design? Is it a flaw in the part as in like QC workmanship quality issues? Is it not having anything to do with the heli and it's the blades? Is it something that I'm doing wrong? Possibly. I don't I don't know how uh, mm. I've, I've been over it with multiple people as well as the owner and and other team guys. Uh, there have been a couple of people that have had the issue before, I think, on the 3D model uh, that just the regular Diablo 700. But I don't know. Um. All I know is that it's the literally the exact same failure twice. And that's why I want to keep speculation out of the picture because I don't want I mean, no one wants that against their their product. And I I don't know if it's a mini copter thing or if it's a blade thing. So. Mm right now it's a either decide not to fly it at all or fly it with some form of risk mitigation and that's about all i can come up with hmm i do not envy that situation yeah well hmm it's all part of the game it i'm is over here like 200 flights <laughs> going i feel like i should replace something but I don't really know what. I'll, I'll replace the <laughs> Maybe belt. I should at least check the bearings. Yeah. I, <laughs> I might wore out right. a set of tail blades. <laughs> oh, dude. Speed eats bearings like crazy. I haven't done nada. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things. Anyway, uh, I have the TDR1 all prepped because I heard today... That a certain green fly barless system may or may not be en route to me from hmm. Bellingham. The three digi is making its way south to Seattle. It's true. It will yes. probably be there. Nice. Well, Friday. So, Dude, I, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Awesome. I'm really excited to give it a try. See what it's all about. So that's going to go on the TDR, do some speed flying with that, see how it works. And uh yeah, I don't know, we'll we'll have to see. I'm I'm on I'm taking a, a vacation with my family next week, which means by the way, I will not be on the show. 
And so I don't suspect there's going to be a lot of heli flying going next week, but we're doing a road trip down the Oregon coast and just kind of, you know, doing whatever. And we will, uh, I'll have my Goblin 380 with me uh, to play around. So maybe I will actually get some flying in (laughs) before the next time I get on here. When shopping online for heli parts, Two most important considerations we look for are selection and customer service. LowerHeli.com not only has the selection you need to get your helis back in the air, Ken also prides himself on having the best customer service in the business. I recently made a purchase with Ken at LowerHeli.com, was anxiously awaiting the arrival of some new heli tools. When it didn't show up, I gave Ken a call without hesitation. He was willing to send me another package, even though the tracking confirmed delivery. I told Ken to hold off for a day or two, and sure enough, the post office found my package and got it to me. This just goes to show LowerHeli.com is willing to go the extra mile for you. If you want great selection and excellent customer service, www.LowerHeli.com. That's where you'll find it. How about you, Jesse? What are you been up to? That was a pretty good week. Not a whole lot going on. Um, I did... Did get out last weekend though. I guess I'm flying it. Dun, dun, so, uh, yeah, um, not a whole lot of flights. It was on Friday, and I know I'd Justin. You texted me as well. It was actually right when I got home from the field, but it started like the weather started turning. Yep. Um, it was it was decent out in the morning. Woke up and got out of the field probably ten ten thirty, and about literally 45 minutes after I got to the field, the wind kicked up, all the clouds started rolling in. You could tell the rain was coming. So I only got in six flights on the Protos. Um, so not a whole lot, but it definitely was worth going out to the field because the night before that, I if you remember back to last week, I got those new... Um, I really wanted to try the new hard 3D, the red dampers in the Protos. So got in you know, only six flights on those um, with the wind and the weather. I'm not sure I could tell... A huge difference on them but we'll see as i get more flights on them i'm hoping at a minimum they'll at least last a bit longer how much um, harder, harder are they jesse i mean um, like relatively are to, they like the lime green kbdds compared to the blues i think they're even harder than the lime greens oh damn if i if i recall um but yeah i, mean, I don't have the numbers all in front of me but yeah they're definitely uh, just by looking at them feeling them on the bench they're definitely quite a bit harder than the stock ones Although after talking with uh, some of the guys that are flying them, they say that they actually work really well across almost all RPM ranges, hmm. even though they're that hard. So I did not try any extremely low head speed, but um, in the future, that would be something I would like to try out. Just you know, just to see do they have that. You know, most of the time you hear us talk about, oh, it has that sweet spot where the you know the dampers fly good, everything's happy. So. A lot of guys report having really good luck with these across a really wide range, even though they're harder damper. So, is it sort of like a classic, just a single damper system where it's kind of rubbery, or does yeah. it have like a plastic part with some O rings and then some? So damping? it's a it's a solid um, one solid damper, and most of it's rubber. But then on the outer part, so the part that goes against the blade grip, or there's actually a spacer in between the damper and the blade grip, yep. but. That side has like a hard plastic washer kind of built into the damper. Oh, crazy. Right there. So the, you know, the majority of it that's inside the head is all rubber. And then the little plastic piece kind of extrudes out 
contacts the uh, spacer and then um, yeah so when you tighten all that down that's all contacted there so nice. mostly yeah so mostly around like i said I'm, I'm i'm hoping they last quite some time since they are a harder material and a you know, few few more flights and we'll see if there's a uh, flight difference so with the six flights out of the field i did get the opti power packs all broken and still loving the uh two flight packs man i'm just kicking myself for not buying one sooner seriously <laughs> i mean yep you, you honestly take it for granted the put it on the charger wait 15 minutes it's like ah, do i want to try to get two nitro flights in before that's done or one nitro flight and then you you know you just find yourself with that downtime and not able to get in as many flights per hour because like i was only out there like 45 minutes to get in those six flights you go there with a set of charge packs charge a couple times while you're there um, you can really crank out the flights in an hour, especially when you're at the field um, by yourself. So then in preparation for this weekend, since the weather is looking awesome, um, not working tomorrow, so it's looking great. I'm hoping to get a really early start out at the field and spend the better part of the day there. Um, so last night went through, completely clean the nitro. I mean... From the tip of the canopy all the way back to the tail blades, just very thorough without actually taking any bolts out. But you know, everything you can access with a paper towel and q tips <laughs> got cleaned. Um, and it was getting how bad pretty, was it? It was getting pretty nasty. <laughs> it was a couple dozen paper towels. I mean, it, it was nasty. And you know, did the, the mother's magnum aluminum polish, got the pipe all nice and polished back up and yeah just getting it back and ready to go because man you start lacking on that thing or lacking on the maintenance and the cleaning for two three trips to the field it builds up the crud pretty quickly so got that all cleaned ready to go for tomorrow both helis 100 ready to go and then kind of the last thing which i've been thinking about doing um, i didn't get it done this last week but it'll probably end up being next week or the following so I really need to get a parts order together. As I'm sitting here kind of looking at the calendar, keeping track of the weeks and seeing how fast the time is just flying by. Like you had said earlier, Nick, it's almost April already. Yeah. Um, and I'm still sitting here now that I've kind of settled in, you know, I got a fair amount of flights on the Protos. I can say it's not going anywhere um, for this you know, kind of flying season. I really think it's going to stick with me and carry it through. It's t- It's time to drop some cash and place a pretty decent sized parts order just because you know with the it, it's a, we have great vendors that come to the fun flies around here you know lower heli and stuff but i'm just the reality is you're not going to be able to get parts for that specific model so i got to make sure i'm stocked up and ready to go as we head into fun fly season especially given the limited quantity of helis in my fleet currently um so a parts order is in place at least for the protos i'm doing I still got like a huge bin full of Synergy parts because I, I kind of did something similar um, after I got the Nitro. So stocked up on that, but the Protos parts are lacking. So yeah, other than that, man, not a whole lot. Pretty no sim. Kind of with you guys, it's just like, I don't know whether it just feels depressing. What's this or... you guys bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> oh. 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 <laughs> Okay, okay. Nick and Justin. I'm with you, Jesse. <laughs> I will not speak for Dan, but... No, it, 
I think it's going to become key and kind of like Nick said, as I, you know, I've gotten out like the last few weekends in a row here and it's, it's kind of starting to turn into that. All right, I'm getting back in the swing of things, starting to feel good, starting to feel comfortable. Helis are tuned up good and I can still do like four moves. <laughs> what are the four you moves? Know, that, that's not, that's Left, just right, firm, being, being sarcastic, but you know, you know what I mean? You just, it's like you kind of fall right back into that same old routine and, um, and it, it really does take the sim to, to break out of that. So it'll become key. I'm just not there yet, I guess. So haven't, mm-hmm. haven't hit it yet, but soon. So yeah, that's all I've been up to. Looking forward to a weekend packed full of flying. I'm hoping to make it out two days. Damn. Friday, Saturday Ooh. this weekend. That's the plan. Tomorrow with, with not having to work will be tomorrow is a easy, given easy because one. the weather's saying it's a zero percent chance to rain. Yep. So tomorrow's an easy one. Get out there decent. Get in a good chunk of flights tomorrow. And then Saturday, I know we got some family stuff in the middle of the day and just kind of play it by ear, but hoping to sneak out uh, for at least some amount of time. It won't be as long as all it won't be as long as tomorrow, but so it should be a decent chunk of time on Saturday. So hmm. it's a good weekend. How about well, I, you, Dan? I flew, bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll even go one further. I simmed. Whoa. Out of necessity. <laughs> ah, okay. I didn't want to, but I really, I came home you from the field You realize that if you flew before you simmed, it would go poorly. I just, I'll get into it, but yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like going, I need a remedy. And unfortunately, I think the sim is that remedy. But so you know, I I I had intentions of flying on Saturday. Um, last minute thing had to go into work. That sucked. So, but it turned out for the better because it actually was supposed to be nice on Saturday, and it wasn't bad. But Sunday, you guys saw the pictures. Hmm. Hmm. Sunny skies. Beautiful. Uh, for the most part, very little wind. It did pick up towards the afternoon, but it was a full day. It was like, I got there at 1030 and I left at 430. Got a, started to get a little chilly nice. towards the end, but so of course I got both of the gas balloons up in the air. Yeah. I don't know if I like that, but it, I'm, I think if I keep saying it, it'll stick. Gas balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, working through the break-in fuel, almost done. Maybe four, four more flights out of that stuff. Uh, five, but it was, uh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit. So I'm going to kind of try to avoid some of what I have to say about it, but, um, you know, I'm working on getting, um, starting to lean them in. And, um, I'm finding that I'm, I kind of am, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm just got two of them. They're basically the same except for the motor and some servos, but I'm kind of finding that one of them's starting to become my favorite. And it's a little weird to me that it's not the newer one. Why right? is that? Hmm. Well, Nick and Jesse kind of experienced it. The 270 is, it, it, it sounds nicer. It sounds freaking smooth like yeah. butter, yes. yo. 
Very smooth. And it seems to be easier to, I mean, they've both got the exact same amount of flights on them. Um, and I was noticing that I did have not updated my phone cause I did get a new phone here about four months ago, but I hadn't put the new, um, or the, uh, flight, um, app on flight count app. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately I haven't been keeping a number. It's just been a constant alternation. It's like, Oh, that one goes up. This one goes up. That one goes up because I need to kind of keep them balanced as I'm going through this process. And um, I don't know the the 270. It just it it feels smoother. It feels like maybe I just got lucky in the starting um, uh, needle settings. Just happened to be pretty damn close to being really good, mm-hmm. right? And I got to fiddle with the other one a little bit, but it just seems to have a much more smoother delivery. Uh, it definitely sounds smoother. And um, I'm I'm really finding that I'm like eh, I know I'd, I'd rather fly this one, but I know I got to fly the 300 because I got to get it. So it's not again not giving it a fair fair chance. You know I'm using the Stator Gators, and this probably might be part of it too. I'm using the Stator Gators on both of them. The 270 has no issues with the Stator Gator. Uh, it it governs perfectly. 18 is it uh, 18, 19, and 2000. And it's and it's great, but I cannot for the life of me get the stator gator to work properly on the three hundred. Now, um, you know, we, we Jesse noticed it, Nick noticed it, we talked about it. It it's it's governing, but the head speed is unknown because it says huh. three thousand RPMs. It's almost it's almost like it's it's double, right? Didn't we figure that out? It is. Yeah, because it was like 36-something or 37-something. Yeah, so we yeah. went ahead and, um, well, we double-checked the settings, and everything's it's identical. exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, it's identical. So I went ahead and swapped. I did read that the newer motors sometimes have polarity issues with the stator gator, uh, where you plug them into where the existing kill switch is on these gas motors. Mm-hmm. Those of you who have flown them know what I'm talking about. So I did that. I took it apart and I swapped out the polarity. Um, it increased the RPMs to five thousand. Oh. <laughs> so okay. I don't know exactly because I'm out there by myself what RPM I'm running at. I do know based on the feel, the sound of the 270, that it is probably fifteen hundred ish. Well, what do you mean? You can just read it off the front of the radio. I, I can, but I'm telling you, it says five thousand. Oh, the, the, the one radio that's not working. says five thousand. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the one that's not working. Yeah, I'm basing what I think the three hundred oh, okay. running at off of the feel and the sound of the one that I know is running at. Because the two seventy I know is at eighteen hundred. And you're thinking the 300 is at 1500. Yeah, based on the feel and the sound of the rotors, uh, because it's saying it's so at 5,000. So crank 000. that shit up until it says about 7800, and you <laughs> should be good to go. Now, what I've done is I I have built uh, a couple of just standard passive um, um, align sensors. And I have to drill a hole in the main gear, put magnets in them. Are you going to do that on both or just one? 
Just the one, because I got I don't. If the Seder gator is working, I want to continue to use it. Well, okay. So how about this? If you were to swap those wires back, I would be willing to. I mean, it's obviously something with this motor that's different. There's no reason that you can't go in and change your sensing divisor. Yeah, but that's just that's like just throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. Well, but I mean, I don't it, want to do that. I just want to make it work. Well, I don't want to do that if it fixes it. I just want to make it work. I don't know that if it's going to fix it. it. I, I, okay, I know an align sensor is going to fix it right away. Yeah, but this I know doesn't for a fact. require any physical. I mean, you just uh, so I'm just going to go in and just randomly change numbers. I would double it eh, and I'll see if it, it works. Because if they are, I don't know. It's the same thing, dude. It's putting it on right, and if it works, I'll probably go to it for good. Because stator gators are you know, forty if, bucks a piece. If you can make the align sensor work, Dan, I'm with you, dude. Get no, it, it will work, and and I agree that it is actually. Technically, it's, I mean, it's your actual head speed, not the motor RPM, which is, is nice. Um, so I get it. I just hate to see it give up on the stator gator thing when one's working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have the aligned sensors, so they're ready to go. I just got to get them in the, in the main gears. So we'll see. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll mess around with it a little bit this weekend because I'm going back out. And um yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. The I'm starting to learn how to tweak the the V bar a little bit better with the governor, getting some issues worked out there. I was having some issues on one of the machines when I would flip into idle up, it would shut down. And I was confused because I'm like, well, why is it doing that? Because I've got I've got the idle, the global idle set high enough that it's almost spinning the blades, mm-hmm. right? At idle. Well, apparently there's a there's a auto rotation setting where you can kind of give some power to the blades when you flip into throttle hold. And that was set low enough that it was killing the motor. Yeah. When, so I bumped that up a little bit and made it so when I did go into idle hold, it didn't shut down. It wasn't a big deal, but obviously that's something you want to have. Sort it out. And it's, are you, are you at the point now where you're just taking and flipping straight out of motor off or throttle hold right back into yeah. motor run? Yeah. And it's, it seems to be doing good. Yeah. The spool up is working great. It's so whatever I have it set at, which I believe is one. Yep. Is working fine. Awesome. Uh, it's not, it's coming up to speed. There's no issues. It's like, you know, the nitros where sometimes you have to, Feather them up? Yeah, yeah. None of that. So that's pretty cool. I wish, you know, the only thing I wish that Makata would do, I wish that they would um, add another parameter, leave that run up for that, but then add an auto rotation speed parameter. So that when I go, like on an electric, you have your bailout, you don't get, that is your run up with the night. That's how it's adjusted. So you can't differentiate the two. So it's but see with the bailout doesn't it doesn't it ramp up much quicker? No, um, it ramps up at the rate that the run up is. Oh. Yeah, see in the electrics it's a little bit different because you always have your run up higher 
because you're also like on a soft start, right? So when you're starting off with the blades off, completely stopped. So the speed controller starts out in the soft start. It goes for a second or two or whatever till a certain RPM is reached. And then it's it's like handed over at that point to the V-Bar governor. And then it does the run up at the rest of that. So the actual total soft start in most conditions is is handled. The beginning of the soft start is handled by the speed controller. That's why, like, I just switched my Nova on the hobby wing. I'm running the heli gov off mode. So I'm not running the governor in the hobby wing, but it's in heli mode, which gives me the actual soft start and the speed controller. But on a nitro, when you flip out and it, it ramps up, there is no soft start, so to say. You're just relying off of the ramp up. So your bailout is going to be the ramp up. Because like on the electrics, if I want to increase the auto rotation bailout, I just change the ramp up speed. But I would really like them to split that um, to split that up, especially because it's it's getting so popular and people are really getting, you know, the, all of the different engines and speed controllers and configurations kind of dialed in at this point. I think it would be nice if they added that parameter. And that was my first experience. I haven't actually. I'm the Go figure. I'm the dumb one with the with the V bar governor when it comes to a fuel model. I I that was my real first experience with it. Yeah, I've been learning quite a bit about it. It's um, I had a conversation with Doug Darby, and before I talk about this, I got to go back to the governor question because I think there's a bit of information that you're not aware of. So when I'm talking the 270, and I have it governed at 800, 1800, and I'm watching the radio. Mm-hmm. It says 1800, 1802, 1800, 1802, 1803, 1800. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching the screen on the 300, yeah. it says 3500, 3000, 3700, 3200. 3,500. It's, it's literally. Yeah, I remember that as well, Dan. It's all over yeah, the place. Yeah, that's got to be. Yeah, you're just not getting the correct signal. I mean, maybe the stator gator just won't work with that motor. I did take apart the inline 5-volt regulator. It seemed to be correct. I Before I left your house, Nick, I had built one, uh, but I left it on my bench, and so I built another one uh, while I was there at your place. Mm-hmm. So I swapped it out with the one that I had built and no difference. So, you know, I don't I, I will play with it. I mean, I don't have a problem with flipping through numbers just to see. But see, if I flip through and just start changing stuff, I, I'll just have without being by myself and not having anybody there to help me actually check the head speed. Yeah. I just will never I you know, I'll be like, mm, feels about right. And I guess that's okay too, as long as it doesn't feel like it's over speeding. Yeah. But no, um, I get it though. I want it to be right though. Yeah, yeah. You no, know? I think that's fair. And it does seem like all the people that I know that have them have gone to the main gear sensor. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 tried and true. I mean, I try it's it you know what it reminds me of like the the Spectrum backplate sensor way back in the day. Right. It's mm-hmm. like they they worked, but it was it seemed like they were you know on 
Oh, is that a YS ninety one three? Doesn't always work, dude. Yeah, because that yeah. one has a metal, you know, bottom plate on. It. You're like, well, wait, what? No. Yes. Yes. But and that's that's exactly what I've been gathering. I mean, it's like some people are like, yeah, it works great on this one, but I can't get it to work at all on this one. I mean, and it really does seem sporadic. If it works on the two seventy, I'm going to keep it on the two seventy. If I can't, if I fiddle with it, I just don't want to fiddle with it for too long. I just, if I know that there's a solution that's going to make it right, I want to go to that solution. Yeah. No, but, that's fair. But if I can fiddle with it, I will, um, at least during the break-in stuff, because there's so much left to do once break-in is completed. It, it's literally like, all right, break-in's done. Now we can get down to the nuts and bolts. Yeah. But um, anyway, the, you know, I was... One of the issues I was having is because there's no issue. One of the, it's not really an issue. One of the things I was noticing on the V bar, there's no, v, there's no V curve, right? There's no, you know, us guys that have been flying for a long time. And I mean, we just, that was like, you know, let's, let's tweak the V curve, you know, cause that's what we did. Right. I mean, it was just part of the process. And so I was noticing that when I was, um, up at the top end and down to into the negative, uh, collective that the uh, throttle there was a wide range mm-hmm. of throttle position between neutral and high stick neutral and low stick and it's just part of that learning the whole v control and it was actually once once it was pointed out to me it's just like oh my god that makes so much sense it's so easy to just change that stuff you can actually kind of add your own essential essentially it's a v it's a v curve Without actually having to graph five points, yeah, it's you just, just the midpoint. Yes, you it? just graph them. Yeah, the, the and why don't throttle. they just call it like, you know, zero collective midpoint or something intuitive? <laughs> know, because because they call it minimum throttle, and I'm thinking, all right, I guess what they're asking me to to enter in here is, you know, what do I want my minimum throttle position to be? Almost like an idle, yeah, you know, but that's not what it is. And anyway, but you know, it's just we're learning those little ins and outs um it's super easy to tweak on the fly i mean it's just so easy and it is the menu and you know jesse we talked about this last week the menu is a little you know you you have to spend a little bit of time trying to figure it out you know working your way around in it but once you know where everything's at yep it's really not that bad. that's the only hard part i have is i can't i i still get confused with like apps and extensions and yeah uh, you know what i mean it's like just put all the stuff in one spot (laughs) so it is you know it is it's a learning curve but i'm digging the way it's feeling you know i mentioned uh, my initial thought was uh, i just didn't really care for the the feel of it like just felt a little blocky but then after actually flying it and um you know trying to uh, find the ergonomics of how it's comfortable in my hands. Once I figured that out, uh, getting comfortable with switch locations, um, trying to de-futabaize my mind, right? Mm -hmm. Hold on, Um, do do that again, Dan. (laughs) De-futabaize. It's it's growing on me. I mean, I'm starting to really enjoy the feel of it. And... um, I still have to tweak with the stick tensions because I actually noticed uh, I wasn't going to do anything with them. And then I at Nick's, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tighten that. 
uh, collective up a little bit. And now I went back cause I fly my, uh, Futaba at work all the time. And today I was messing around with a small quad and I'm, I'm like, wow, I, there's a big difference here in how tight both sticks are mm-hmm. compared to So I'm going to, I think I'm going to kind of, because I really like that. I really like that Futaba and I'm, I think I'm going to try to mimic those tensions as best I can, which is, uh, tighten them up just a little, not a, not a whole lot, but, yeah. uh, kind of get that worked out. So that leaves the, <laughs> the oxy. <laughs> <laughs> I flew it Uh-oh. a few times at work this week. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I, so many guys really love that helicopter. I hate to sit here and disparage it, you know? But I think it really comes down to personal preference and whether or not you enjoy the sporadic flight of a very, very small helicopter. And it does feel sporadic to me because uh, I'm an old man. You know, my, my reflexes are like trying to, I feel like I'm trying to constantly keep up with it yeah. as opposed to flying it. Yes, I know I can go in and I can change some settings, but I don't want to turn it into a, you know, a docile little, you know, shit fly. You know, I want it to, I want, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to, hell is this shit fly? <laughs> I want it to, you know, I want to, I want it to fly like it's meant to fly and, uh, you know, at least have the, the reaction that it's, you know, as that it's kind of meant to have. It's a speedy little thing. I don't know. It's a nice little helicopter. I mean, I, I just, and this is no surprise and I don't know. I guess every time I try a small heli, I'm thinking, I always think, well, maybe this will be the one, you know, maybe this will be the one that's going to go, you know what, Dan, these little helis aren't that bad after all. I just, it's, I don't think it's this one. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think it's any of them for you. <laughs> so I'm not going to sell it. Had a couple people ask. I, I am going to try to keep it all summer long. Um, uh, it works great for at work. Uh, I can just step out right in front of the shop and fly it right in the parking lot. What you really should quick. do is you should let me fly it at Othello and kind of honk on it and really try and tweak it and tune it. Yeah, I haven't spent a lot of time tuning it. I just, I got three packs for it. They're easy to charge at work. It's easy to get, you know, a five minute flight in. And when I'm at the field, I'm not interested when I've got, Two 700 gassers sitting there. I'm not interested in flying an oxy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just not. You know what I mean? I, I just I had it there. It was sitting there, and I'm just like, uh, no, this this is not your field. You you don't get to fly here. You have to wait for parking <laughs> lots, parking lots, and and maybe small baseball diamonds. Not a big ass <laughs> flying. Field. So it just gets to sit there and, um, the other ones are going. So yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. I got to burn through some, some, uh, Coleman fuel. I have found that getting Amsoil Saber oil around here is, uh, about as easy as getting prostitutes. It's just not that easy around here. There's not many of them. Female right? kind. Yeah, because no. there's there's Bankers a sheep right across the road from you, Dan. Yeah, willing. <laughs> I guess she's willing not. She, she's not a prostitute because she doesn't charge. Dude, I draw the line at crossing the street. <laughs> <laughs> if they were in my yard, maybe I'd consider it. But uh, no, it's um, I I actually 
where I have my truck worked on, they, it's going to take them three weeks to get that shit in. I don't know. Maybe they, do you want me to send you some, at least one, if you can, can you send me just one? Cause that's all I really need to get going. I, cause the other stuff dude, will be here. I don't own a gasser, so I can send you all. Yeah. Now, whatever. All yeah. May absolutely. only be one, but sure. Yes. Yeah. Send me whatever you can. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll make it up to you somehow. We'll, uh, we'll <laughs> talk about that. No worries. Just send me the $33 and pennies that you bitches still owe me. Those have to be delivered at a fun fly. In front of people. Okay. Don't you know? Because I'm not going to mail $33 and pennies. It'll cost 90 bucks. It'll cost more. <laughs> than... <laughs> That's a good point. So, yeah, getting some oil uh, for, uh, yeah, I, can't, I can't decide where I want to run. If I want to run as lean as 40 to 1 or if I want to keep it at 32 to 1. We'll see. Right? Mix a gallon at 32, run it, see how it goes, and then if you feel like you need more, go 40. I mean, that's what you ran yours at, right? I so ran I mine at 40, it. yeah. Yeah. But then, I don't know, then I got to measure out 3.4 ounces. I just don't know if I can do that. <laughs> oh my gosh! How wow. do you how do you measure three point four ounces of fuel? How do you do that, Justin? You measure out three and a half and dump one out. Point one. <laughs> what do you measure it with? You get go, or you just measure three and a half a, and and settle for thirty nine point seven eight. Do you have like a? Yeah. Do you have a, a chainsaw <laughs> shop? A, a motorsports? Do they like do a they dirt bike place? Like little uh, yeah, yeah. How about ATM? a shot glass? Dirt bike places are oh, the best because they got some really nice. Super- Do they sell like like little specialty things that like it's this. An, if, dude, if you, if you this seriously line, oh, yeah. and spend it's twenty an bucks on bottle. something that actually has three point four ounces, I will flip out. No, well, no, they have better. Yeah, it's like you design multi. It has the ratio right on the side. Like yeah, it's mixed. <laughs> like oh, is it? It's for one gallon of gas, and if you fill it up to this line, this line, this line, it tells you the specific I'm ratio. I'm gonna go pick one of those up. Too. Yeah. But I gotta, I have to visit Justin. Is I'm sensing some. Um, I don't know what it is, but he's 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 an engineer. He likes to do stuff the hard way. It's not the but hard he, way. But he's telling so, me uh, he's telling me to not not be precise with the uh, oil measurement. I don't think yeah, I like that. That's because it's not of critical importance for you to be precise. Oh. <sighs> I, I don't just, accept that statement. Just dump some in then. Yeah. <laughs> Bottoms <Go for> up. <laughs> uh, I hear you. Yeah, I know. You but- know, I've done that with my weed eater once. I was like, ah, I can't find anything. Uh, about that much. Oh my god! <laughs> it smoked like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that again. I am gonna go to KTM and I'm gonna get one of those yeah. mixers. Yeah, just you, just for peace of mind. So, you okay with that, Justin? Uh, I'll accept it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Or I like your idea of a shot glass too. Yeah. That would be easy. I can do that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, new stuff showing up for the Oxy this week. Some pinions. Look for some different head speeds. And some, although I don't need them anymore because Nick was able to to uh, dig into his spares and find some servo horns that will fit those uh, servos on the Oxy. Yeah. 
but now I have plenty of those, which I'll probably never use because you got to fly the heli to use parts that you have for it. Um, <laughs> thinking about selling the Forza. And I am pretty sure when available, I will be picking up an SAB Nitro. So <sighs> my job is done here. And I thought we were friends, Dan. I thought we were friends. I would just like to say, let it be known, I really win. I, com- I, I, converted, I converted the unconvertible. <laughs> I, I'm not sure why you feel good about that. Oh, I would I feel, feel dirty. And I'm not sure you can take credit for that. Huh? I can take full credit. Absolutely not, dude. <laughs> Carl takes <laughs> credit. Yeah, you got to give a little little credit to Carl, right? A little credit to Gary Shirley, right? And a lot like to I'm, Nick. <laughs> looks like, fuck that. <laughs> fuck those two. <laughs> this is all me, bitches. I've been working on this one for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw some pictures of the nitro, and I don't. I it. I I need to see more. It looks like it might be a tough one to crash, just based on the design. But that's hard to tell through pictures. But what the hell, man? I. I what do you mean when you say tough one to crash? <laughs> you mean expensive? have you not looked at the pictures? No, it just looks like it might not handle a nose down crash very easily. I. Yes. That's. I mean, that's just initial observation. Don't know if that has any merit at all, but. That's why I say I need more pictures. Would love to see one in person. I will be first run. Well, I'll have to take a look at it, and we'll go from there. So, yeah, that's my my week in a nutshell. Nice job. I guess we should do some news, huh? Do we have any news this week? We do have some. Hmm. With electric helicopters and high-capacity success lipos being so popular, the need for a high-power and reliable charging setup is ever-increasing. Luckily, this is what the guys over at Progressive RC specialize in. Whether you want to buy all the parts and build a charging setup yourself, or you want to have them build it for you, Progressive RC is the right shop for the job. They carry everything from chargers, power supplies, and of course, all the accessories you need to make a pretty awesome charging setup. Check them out now at ProgressiveRC.com. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. You guys remember hearing about the Takumi? Yes. So they put some more pictures up. Gold-plated goods. Uh, yes. That's what Nick loves about it. No. It's his favorite aspect of that helicopter. Least favorite. I'm not into the... You know... (laughs) Gold... Like the Mr. (laughs) T-Blade. I pity the fool. I pity the fool that don't buy this helicopter. Wow. Yeah, you know, it, 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 dude, stop. I'm not a fan of the gold, but, um, I mean, it gets, it gets your attention. So in that regard, certainly, uh, different, you know, 
I think it would look much job. sexier if it was just straight polished aluminum. Uh, oh, yes, I agree. Please. I agree. Yeah, big time. I mean, it looks like a really cool and unique set of mechanics. I, I just feel like they freaking ruined it. But you know, one thing I I looked at that I don't care for, Justin. You see the way the motor's sitting? Yes. You see how? I, now I can't quite tell from the pictures the actual distance. But I really do not like motor designs that are potentially limited by can diameter. And yeah, you're not going you. to be able to put, or I shouldn't say motor designs, gear train designs. I don't like that because it seems like it's just, God, just give is us it, room. Is it limited? Well, I can't. It looks it's like there's a hard, hard to hard tell. To tell. It, it looks like there's a forty-five thirty-five mounted, which I mean that's a fair, you know, that's a fair sized motor. Yeah, okay, you're probably not gonna go any bigger, but I, I don't know. I just feel like that's such a old I hear school you. mistake. I hear you. you know, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yes, long story short, there are some drivetrain pictures up with the bling, 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 the Banshee 850. I didn't even know anything about this. Yeah, this was another one from Rotor Live. Uh, That's a big old heli. I'm still cruising through it myself. It's um I you know I I'll be honest I'm not sure what I think about this. It's been now 4 years since uh they released the 50 kit limited edition Banshee 700. Um it's a great looking heli. I I I mean the original 700 I thought looked really great. It's actually quite competitive from a, a speed standpoint as a pod and boom because of how lightweight it is and how narrow it is. And the design, if you've ever seen the drivetrain, the drivetrain is just amazing looking. So then they came out with the 850. And I guess, I mean, I, I shouldn't complain, but the first thing I thought when I saw it was, oh, why does it look like the other one? I was kind of hoping it would look a little different. but. I think they've redesigned some of the internal mechanics. It's I was just kind of poking at the canopy. I kind of like it. Do you? I don't know. Yeah. I, th- I just, you know why? Because with so many of the other stuff looking the same these days. Yep. I feel like you can look at it and you're like, yep. That's I know a banshee. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if that's what you're looking for, yep. then I absolutely agree. I feel and like I'm that's okay. I like the way it looks. I like the original look. And they followed with the original look. I just figured, you know, new and improved, they'd come out with something that was a little bit spicier looking. That's all. I don't think they need to, in my opinion. I, th- I think they're all right. It's a very interesting frame design. I mean... Uh, it's weird. You look at the pictures, and I'm guessing that's like a pyro. What do you think that is mounted in there? Pyro 850? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it says right here, motors like pyro 850 or scorpion 5035. I don't mind telling you, 
the motor in that picture, it looks like a freaking 4020 in there. I mean, it looks like oh, a little yeah, motor. It, yeah. it, it's little, the size of the belt. Mother of God. It's huge. Yeah, that main belt's as tall as that motorcade. That's not, a, that's, yeah, that main belt is like a freaking timing belt. Well, and the other thing I like about this is uh, it's an 850. It will swing big ass blades, but they've designed it structurally to fly over a very wide range of RPM. And they're saying that it's speed flyable. Oh, geez. Look at this optional thrust needle bearings from in-house development and production for a permanent wear-free application while flying extreme high RPM and heavy rotor blades. You know, I like this statement right here. So we've, we've got a couple links. We have one link up to their Facebook page and the other to their website. The, this is cool, okay? The performance at 1,700 RPM and 12 degrees of collective is comparable with a 700-class helicopter at 16 degrees of collective and 2100 RPM. Dude, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Thrust should be pretty goes like yeah. R cubed, my friend. <laughs> wow. That's why disc size makes such a big difference. Size matters. It does. Mm -hmm. It is the size of the blade and how you use it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it... it it kind of, oh, geez, yeah, this is really what I need. With the nitro coming right around the corner, just, I still have that lingering itch that has not been scratched for a big-ass 800. Yes. And I don't know. I, I feel like maybe. Jesse, you had that itch. I did. You still have it? I do, but I also have a heli that can be easily stretched. Well, but what about another one? Uh, one eight, one eight hundred, one seven hundred. Because you'd you'd yeah. be oh, yeah. you'd be kind of yeah, in the same boat that I would. I mean, like yeah. I would do a seven seventy, which is basically the same damn thing as my seven hundred. Yep, I agree. I don't know. What do you think, Justin? What, you with an 800? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you have you, yours. You can you have my 770. You don't fly it. Poor thing. My you know. nitro is going to replace it. I feel confident that that's the case. <laughs> yeah, you've got enough <laughs> motors. It just might. You might just fly it. <laughs> Poor guy. All right. Let's see. What else we got here in the news? Um... Yeah, more Rotor Live stuff. SAB had the Black Thunder and the Black Nitro. I'm going to say them <laughs> like that from now on, uh, which we got to see more pictures of. I'm, I'm on board with the Nitro, baby. I'm way on board with the Nitro. I love it. I can't wait. Obviously, I'll be first run. Nick, when I try to open the Black Thunder, I get a parental discretion yeah. advised <laughs> notice. <laughs> Is it okay? Is it okay to click accept on absolutely. that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. No, I'm. <laughs> I'm digging it, man. Uh, I I don't know about the Black Thunder for me. 
I'm a little I'm a little confused what I would get out of that with my current fleet. I'm just not quite sure how I would use it. I don't think Bernie Sanders would approve of that name. The Black Thunder? Just, just saying. The Black Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> we should call Dieter and ask him. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> oh. You open up that can of worms and you have to stick around to deal with it. <laughs> I I think that the Black Thunder is there for the people who want like an ultra lightweight throw down monster. <laughs> I and just love about that they, it. They even put it on the canopy. <laughs> I mean, it's it is official. I mean, this thing <laughs> it is the Black Thunder. I love it. I love the name. Oh <sighs> yeah. Um, we also have. Do you guys see the new blades? Yep. I am equally just as excited for this as I am the Nitro. The Thunderbolts. <laughs> the Thunderbolts, yes. Uh, swept tip. <sighs> yes, please. They can't get here fast enough. Love mm. me. Love me some gablins. Not so much the blades. <laughs> really want them new ones. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've heard nothing but good things so far, so we'll see. I'll be the, I'll be the final say. Here's one that's pretty interesting. <laughs> what are you laughing about? Nothing. What? Go ahead. What? <laughs> Did you? Are you just finally reading through all the notes? No, I'm, I'm sitting here reading them. I just was waiting for you to get to this one. The Mikado and Contronic one? No, no, no. I thought you were going to another one. Oh, yeah. No, I'll be there. Just <laughs> patience. Right. Wait a minute. Yeah, what small. am I missing here? <sighs> I've already look, been relentlessly mocked for one of these, so. Look where my cursor is, Justin. All right, hold on. <laughs> mm. All right, so. Okay, so good to see you, Tony. <laughs> How am I supposed to be a professional? Okay. Well, as we, uh, there have been quite a few complaints about um, the lack of, of integration from speed controller directly to the V-Bar system or the V-Control. Well, uh, Mikado and Contronic made an announcement that shortly they will have a system out. Um, and of course, I just clicked on the German link called the Telme, T-E-L-M-E. And this is going to supposedly bridge the gap, uh, a module between Contronic uh, for the Contronic Jive Pro and the Cosmic and the V-Control. So you won't need the UI sensor anymore, and you'll be able to get all that telemetry information. Uh, I'm, I think it's great. I think it's a step in the right direction. Doesn't surprise me that Mikado, you know, had to, like, do it their way with their own little module. I think well, it would have been cool if they just could have done J-Log compatibility. Can I provide some clarification on that? Sure. Tell me is a proprietary interface developed by Contronic. Oh, really? It has nothing to do with Mikado. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. I should have read the English one. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me is available for Futaba as well, for example. Um, and it's oh, basically, okay. it is what amounts to a Contronic J-Log 
a Contronic proprietary J-Log that transfers the, the data out of the speed controllers. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one, Nick. I, I think J-Log makes a lot more sense because if you're going to have a separate module anyway, um, you might as well have one that has a whole hell of a lot more capability. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, I'm sure someone's going to use it. I think the, it, it, it's, it's not surprising. Well, maybe it is surprising to me. They, they, uh, they're now saying, okay, so you can get telemetry from an ESC on your Mikado. The problem is it's the most expensive damn ESC on the market. So how many people are going to, are going to rush yeah, out and be like, damn, you know what? I was on the edge about that cosmic, but this just <laughs> made it happen. For it's me. like, you know, instead of buying that current sensor, I think I'm going to go buy a cosmic. Yeah. Where, yeah I could buy eight <laughs> current sensors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm and what really I am. like, you know what I like? I like that Mikado opened their door to this. I agree. I'm hoping that that's just the beginning. Now of- the V control people that actually are serious about flying speed on the bigger models can get telemetry that will be useful for them in tuning and uh, improving. Yes. We were we were just having that discussion. Yes. Justin and I'll stop it, I guess, right here. Justin and I were having the conversation because I would like to start, um, you know, as I was doing more and more runs on the 500, I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting the, uh, Dan will like this one, the data itch. I need more data, Dan. Need more data. data. Yeah, I need more, more data. data. Need more data. Graphs. Dan charts. <laughs> yes. Dan charts. <laughs> Plotting points, but I got to figure out where the outliers are and eliminate the rounding errors. Oh my god, I don't, I don't know what the voice yeah. is, but it's kind of creepy, dude. But no, and I, I can't get that. I mean, I really can't. You know, with uh, the GPS works, but it's not. I mean, as we all know, it's like all the other ones. There is only one that the Doppler style that works well enough to be accurate and train and really practice and then just having more information. I mean, the, when it comes to speed, it really is a whole different ball game and you can, you know, I, I have, it's funny because back in the past, you didn't, you just didn't even consider flying V bar when you were doing speed because of the way that it flew. Well, I I mean, I agree that I'm not, you know, up there with the top or anything, but mine has been like stupid easy to tune. I I'm just it's getting it is literally getting better and better and better the faster I fly, and it's been very predictable. So, flight performance-wise, I I actually couldn't be any happier. But I can see where, yeah. You got to have that data if you want to play with the big boys. Yep. So we shall see if they keep going in that direction. But cool. Uh, Let's see. Oh, man, dude. This. (laughs) (laughs) Disheartening. 
This is disheartening, and I swear to God, if one person makes one more joke about, uh, oh, Nick doing a review, that means it's going <laughs> to freaking go under. Oh. You, want machine, you want your machine to not sell? Hey, Nick, did did someone say that to you, dude? Oh, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It's funny, but it sucks. It is funny, but yeah. it, it it doesn't suck when it when you know how much time it. I mean, it does suck when you know how much time it takes to do a freaking airframe review. Uh, so anyway, unfortunately, uh, we see that uh, DT has ceased. They're basically kind of uh, shutting down. Let's see. Uh, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. So. Um, Shannon over at Only Fine Heli says, uh, approximately 2.25 this morning, I received an unfortunate email from DT China stating that due to increased manufacturing costs and the shrinking market, that they would discontinue manufacturing the DT line. Now, now, um, he does go on to say, and with with some more clarification, um, that... They will still be making parts. So it's not going to totally leave the guys that are out there flying them without getting being able to get parts. But it's just, you know, it's a bummer. Shannon over at Only Fine Helis is just an awesome, awesome dude. So, you know, kind of what everyone was rallying and saying, it's just like, you know, don't. Don't hold this against him. This was a this was a DT decision. Didn't have anything to do with him or the U.S. distributorship or any of that. Was that just out of the blue? I mean, was that like no forewarning? No. Yeah, did anyone see just... that coming? Well, I I think if he would have seen it coming, he probably wouldn't have sent one to us to do That's a review on. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So I don't. Which is, I mean. This does kind of just really strike me as, uh, to me, this is all a market thing. And, I mean, this is exactly what happens, you know, when a, when a hobby contracts. Yeah. Yep. When you have Absolutely a big blow up and then it, yeah, you have a big, huge blow up. Everything gets huge, huge. It grows super fast, super fast. And that bubble kind of bursts and then it goes back down to the same rate that it was before this is unfortunately what happens because there's there's from a you know qc flight performance features there's no reason why that they shouldn't be able to you know to to be able to keep it alive they're nice helis they're not bad at all but it's just now the market's pretty brutal yeah so yeah very unfortunate but Still try and support uh, Shannon over there. He's a he's a cool dude. All right, let's see. What do we got next? Um, we got a lot of news this week. I yeah, like it. Yeah, well, Rotor Live, man. Yeah, that, dude. That was a good one. So, Gowie, they're coming out with their three-blade series. So, it looks like I see three-blade series for the X3. Um, yep. head and tail. They've also got, I saw some pictures. I don't have it here in the show notes. I saw some super low profile, little flipper landing gear. Yeah. I believe you for, can speed it out. Yeah. For the X3 and the X5. <laughs> I saw that. 
Um, yeah, so Gowie coming out, it looks like they're just doing a round of upgrades. Yeah, they're bits and pieces, but it's cool. I mean, it keeps it fresh. Yeah, and it gives, you know, a lot of guys are out there flying those helis, and they, and they like them. They're, they have great luck with them. But it's nice to be able to go back and, you know, do, yeah. do a little something new, a little upgrade. Well, and in that, too, they've got a new 385 stretch for the X3. Oh, nice. Um, and, like, uh, like, I guess stronger carbon fiber side frames so it can handle more powerful motors. All sorts of different, you know, again, just, just little things here and there. No, yeah. you know, major changes, but, yeah, cool stuff. I think that's good. Um, okay, so this one, wow, you know, kind of a, another shocker. And um, so we saw a post up from OMG RC USA, and this is actually owned. I'm going to try and get this one as technically correct as possible. So if I make a mistake, I do apologize. Uh, OMG RC USA was owned by Tony Whiteside. And he was the USA distributor for the OMG and ran the team. Well, um, they there is a complete dissolution of OMG RC USA. Tony put a, a big post up on the official OMG RC USA Facebook page letting everyone know, hey, this is me, Tony Whiteside, that you are talking to. And he just kind of came out there and put it all out. And basically what it came down to is they were having QC issues. And, you know, they're reporting everything back to the manufacturer and they just couldn't get these problems fixed. I mean... You know, what would have been a good servo, they just couldn't get the QC down right and kept sending him back. And they, you know, he was dealing with just a whole bunch of returns and couldn't even get covered on the returns. And that, I mean, that just blows, you know, because it's like, I actually feel, I mean, I really do feel bad for him because it's completely out of your hands as a distributor. To me, that's a scary, scary thing to become a distributor for something because you just don't know. You know, so yeah, that is uh, gone by, gone by the wayside. QC will get you every time, man. It really yeah. sucks. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Everyone's trying to keep costs down to you know keep the doors open, but there's a limit. Absolutely, a limit. that's the only, quickest only way. Trim so much. That is the quickest way, in my opinion. To kill your product line. Have QC problems. I mean, you could just take something that's awesome. Look at all these companies that are still, I mean, have been, uh, uh, look at TDR. Uh, you know, Banshee. I mean, look at all these things. They've survived through the ages. Yep. And it was because it was quality. Yep. Well, and here's the deal, right? It's okay to have quality issues. Every company goes through it from, you know, at some point, but you've got to be able to address it and contain it and fix it. Yep. And unfortunately, it's really costly to do that. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right. What do we got? Who put that last one up there? Let's see. Is that me? The Contronic Cosmic yep, Firmware? That one's you. Yeah. 
So, uh, this one comes to us from our uh, ever-evolving Helly Freak news thread. And that is that uh, Contronic has just come out with an update to the firmware for the Cosmics. So, version 4.9. And this is uh, an update to support HV LiPos up to 4.35 volts per cell. And tell me telemetry for all of the new Futaba transmitters. The FX22, which now that I read that, I don't even know what the hell that is. Never Have you heard of the FX22? No. Don't know what that is. Uh, T18MZ, T18MZ-WC, and the T14SG controllers. So, if you have any of those and you want to run tell me... Or if you are running uh, one of the brands that have an HV pack chemistry, then you should probably go and update your firmware. Nice. Hey, okay, so I've got two more that I didn't put in there. Man, this rotor live thing is just crazy, but there's no way we could get through the news without talking about uh, these two, which in my opinion... Uh, next to the SAB Nitro are probably the biggest things that I've seen to come out of Rotor Live. The new Logo 700. That plastic frame, baby. Yep. The one that they should have done. <laughs> yep. This is like the child that they always wanted that they never had. About, what, five years ago? Yeah, I don't know, man. Looks pretty solid. Uh, th- this one's going to be, I'm really curious to see how this one works out. I mean, really curious. Because from a design standpoint and just looking at it, it appears to me to be like what we would have expected that they would have done the first time. Yeah, it is a Mikado classic design. All plastic, yeah. uh, well thought out, clean layout. Uh, you know, multi-piece so that when you crash it, and this is one of the things that's really cool, right? Because you never had this on the old logos. But when you crash it, it now has a lower plastic frame and an upper plastic yeah. frame. Mm. So you don't have to completely rebuild. Yep. Yeah, so that one's pretty cool. And then also, holy cow, the Compass, is it Dude. EXO? yes. Oh, God. Okay, Dan, Dan, Mm. back off for a second, man. You got to see this thing. I've seen it. I've seen it. It looks pretty sweet. Sebastian went there, man. Fully single-piece molded airframe in carbon fiber. Hold on. I got to see. I got to find. I've seen random pictures all over the place, but. You need to throw a link up there. Okay, hold on. All right. Well, so I'm not I'm not able to find the thread, uh, exact the exact thread that showed the photos that I'm talking about. But go and research it yourself. They're out there. Basically, what the airframe is, it's a single piece molded carbon fiber airframe. And so when you look at it, at first, I mean, it. What's the best way to describe this? It. It is kind of like a logo, a plastic logo, except replace the plastic with carbon fiber. 
It's just, it's crazy. So the even the servo mounts are molded directly in this this single piece carbon fiber shape. It's really mm. freaking awesome, man. It's got a beefy ass main gear, belt driven, nice new tail. And uh, the sources that I had that were actually there uh, at at Rotor Live uh, said that it, it it was let's see it was sporting 515 millimeter blades. So Jesse, that answers our question right there. Yep. This is not a 430 to 450, which was what I was really really concerned about. Yeah, um, that's good. It's it's a full 500. Now, I don't know how big the blades uh, can reach. I'd imagine 500 and maybe 525s. I mean, it still looks smaller than a 550. So I'm yeah. going to guess 500 to 525. But uh, huge props, by the way, to listener and friend uh, uh, Rob Hubschrauber, who is over there in Germany and basically put together this freaking awesome uh heli freak thread where he took great images of pretty much everything at the show that was new and so he was one of the ones i was getting information from and then there are a couple of other people out there too uh lots of really cool stuff here nice should be interesting to see some of these hit the market this year yep that's good. We need some fresh meat. Indeed we do. But does it have to be compass? Yes. Oh, come on, Dan. I'm it's only not kidding. Bad, I'm man. only kidding. I'm only kidding. All right. It's been so it. long since I've ragged on compass. Is it for news? That's it. It is. Done? Sweet. Made it. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. Have you made the switch yet? Well, if you haven't, then you need to get on the ball. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, switch rotor blades are the perfect way to complete that perfect heli setup. From 250 to 800 class blades in precision and aggressive 3D versions, and with tail blades and night blades too, switch blades give you a large variety of options to get your heli flying the way you want to. Head over to www.bkdesignsllc.com, give them a try today, and I'm sure you'll make the switch. I'll make a little announcement. Yeah, why don't you uh, make a little announcement? Okay, so I, I left a little bit, of, uh, little bit of wonder at the beginning of the show here, but it looks like we are on for a battery review. Oh, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. Yeah. Nice. All right, guys. So here's what I'm going to do. Now, can't officially start it yet. 
because uh, as the batteries start trickling in, um, once we get them all here, then we'll get started. What I'm going to do is this is going to be a full season-long review. Now, there's not really technically going to be an end to it. What I'm going to do is I have talked to, um, well, I have in my hands a Pulse 6S 5065C. I have a Venom 6S 5050C, I do believe. I am waiting on um, an AGA power battery. Uh, Rev Electrics, and I'm not sure which one they might even be sending over the new graphene pack. And believe it or not, Hobby King actually got in touch with me and said, hey, oh, I know that was like, what? Get out of here. Yeah, so I believe that they're going to send over um, one of their new graphene packs as well. Nice. So here's how I'm going to do this. Single 6S5000. These are going to be... Um, I left it completely up to the manufacturer on the C rating. Hey, whatever whatever you got. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um, these are going to be flown in my Goblin 570 all throughout the year. Equal number of flights. Constant rotation. What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to get them in. Obviously, do a little QC check on them. Make sure that all the uh, the cell voltages and everything look good. I'm going to do five bench break-in cycles with it. And then start flying them. I am going to be impeccable with my storage charging. And then... I'm going to create, and uh, under the review section on the website, I'm going to create a kind of like an ongoing review where you guys can follow along. It's just going to be a spreadsheet, and it's going to show my IR values. Um, and then I think every, either every maybe two weeks, 20 flights, something like that, I'm actually going to go and uh, figure the pack capacity as well. I figure it's an awesome opportunity to use um, use the features that I've got in my power lab, uh, which will make it convenient. You know, there's uh, Justin and I were talking about it, and he's like, dude, I got your discharger coming. And it's like, okay, that's awesome. Obviously, I want to use it. But I think for this, I want to do something to where you guys, if you wanted to, you know, like if you have some new packs where you can go through this and kind of follow along with how I'm doing it because we're going to gain a bunch of data. Um, not only just, you know, pack degradation, that's not just that data, but the point of the review is the main point of the review is to find out, you know, like Justin's needs on a set of packs are completely different than my needs. I'm always getting 200 cycles out of my packs and I don't even treat them all that great, to be honest. Whereas Justin's looking at 50 cycles when it comes to doing speed stuff. And I think that has been kind of the balance of, well, these are air quotes better, but, you know, do you need them to be better for your style of flying? And I feel like testing testing these batteries in this way is just a great opportunity to kind of really find out. Now... We have to be realistic. This is one battery from each manufacturer. 
which obviously, in theory, there's just no way that it's going to represent everything as a whole. But, I mean, within reason, this is about the best thing that we can really do. And I'm just going to keep flying them and logging and flying and logging. And you guys can kind of follow along and just see how it goes. I mean, we might find out that, hey... Uh, battery A over here, you know, it got it it got pretty weak at about the seventy flight mark. Okay, but it's half the price of everything else. Or same thing, I'm at the two hundred and fifty cycle mark, and wow, this battery was the most expensive. But guy, it's just not showing, you know, hardly any drop in power or voltage sag or anything like that. And I think when you you know when you compare all that with the cost of the pack. And how it's working for, I'm going to use my air quotes and say average Joe pilot, that to me, in my world, in my flying style, is is very valuable data. So I think it's really cool that um, that these battery manufacturers were on board to hop on. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get it started. So as soon as the rest of those packs show up, um, I'll get that going. I'll... I'll I'll get the write-up started and everything and, and an exact description of uh, precisely how I've done it. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. And, and you know, there's really not going to be an end to it. Why? Because I'm just going to keep flying and talking about them and flying and talking about them and logging. This could go well into the beginning of next season. But that, that's what we actually hope for. I hope to be able to tell you, all right, well, all of these are at this flight count and doing really good. So yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really cool opportunity. Um and I think it's uh it's something that may actually surprise a lot of people including us in in terms of how each of those brands do. Uh, yeah. I I mean, I'm I, I frankly I'm not sure I have any preconceived notion about what to expect. We may find that they all do pretty well or they all suck or maybe the ones that do well aren't the ones that you expected. So it could be pretty eye opening. And I think that's yeah. that's pretty neat. And yeah. you better log it all in the battery database. Yep. We'll be adding more there, which it's also going to like I said, it's going to add to our information and everything that we're learning on pack degradation, you know, per flight over time, that sort of a thing. I freaking love it i mean i it it's the year of the nerd when it comes to batteries nice we want to go ahead and just move into some listener questions we got some questions apparently right email questions or were these uh yeah these are all email questions yeah we'll go we'll clip through them we're starting to run a little bit long but we can uh bang through some of these for sure all righty so i've got one here from Ben Pennington, and I, I really liked this one uh, because I have ran into this question myself. So he, uh, Ben writes, he says, you know, I recently ditched my Castle BEC Pro and my 3S receiver pack on my T-Rex 600N. Purchased a full set of KST high-voltage cordless servos so I could go straight to a two-cell. After reading through the forums for a while, it seems like LIFE packs have some advantages, but I would like to hear your take on it. Pretty sure you've ran all receiver packs at one time, but have you tried the LIFE packs? If so, what do you think? 
That's sort of a deal. I I can definitely speak firsthand experience for this because yep. I have ran me a whole lot of LIFE packs over the years. They lived on my nitros. So, uh, in my opinion, I'm going to go over the advantage and disadvantage of both. Uh, lipo, obviously we have a higher, I mean, a 2S lipo is a higher voltage. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the servos now, and I say most, most are high voltage servos. I mean, we're looking at a servo that's capable of handling eight volts, 7.4 volt, uh, battery pack. So it does kind of make sense to go with the lipo for that. If you actually look at the voltage of a lipo over the course of its discharge, it definitely drops in voltage a fair amount. Lipos, you have an advantage because there's almost an infinite number of size, shape, and capacity. Um, and generally, they do seem to be a little bit cheaper, especially when it comes to receiver packs. You can find, you know, because there's so many 2S packs for all these little planks and all this kind of crap, they're really easy to find. Now, where LIFE has a really big advantage and why they got so popular back in the day was because at one point, oh my gosh, do you guys remember this day? We didn't have high voltage servos. Right. Everything yep. was six volt. And so then it was the era of the Fromco and the, uh, what was that other one? The, oh, uh, it was black. And it had a red and yellow sticker. Scott, Scott, Scott Gray. Yeah, yeah that the, thing was the like reactor. Oh my god, it was yeah. so expensive. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but everyone had to run a regulator because most of the servos were only good up to six volts. Now, an LIFE pack, it's a little bit different. On full charge for a two S pack, you'll see about seven point two volts when you take it off the charger. But immediately upon putting a load on it, it'll drop to about six point seven. Now, what's cool, if you actually look at the discharge curve on an LIFE pack, you'll go from about 6.7 to about 80% empty, 6.4 volts. Yep. They have a very flat discharge curve. Yep. Now, what it does get a little bit scary is at the end of that, it basically falls off a table real fast. <laughs> Tang. Like a lipo. Yes. Yep. Yes, exactly. Um, so, when it came... To a 6-volt system, most all of the servos handled 6.6 .6 volts just fine. These things were incredibly awesome because they basically were, I mean, they weren't regulated, obviously, but their discharge curve was very consistent, and all of our chargers already had the capability of charging them. So that I ran them exclusively. Every receiver pack that I had on a six-volt servo system for my nitros were always LIFE. And then once they got away from the the big round A123 cells and went to actual regular looking, you know, normal flat um, normal flat battery packs, it was a no-brainer. At this point, I I kind of feel like they've run their course. If you have high voltage servos. I personally always run a lipo on mine now just because I want to get the most out of my servo. Um, but 
don't feel like that this is necessarily a bad choice. They're awesome batteries. They work great. It's just we kind of need a, uh, we have the ability to run higher voltage now. So that's how I tend to uh, tend to go. And it is harder to find all of those cool little custom sizes and capacities that you want. You You definitely have more of a limited range. Yeah, I've, and from a historic perspective too, uh, you talked about the A one two threes. You could charge those a lot quicker, and they were much more stable. You could run them down to zero without worry. Worry. So yeah, especially back in the day when lipos started. I mean, they were like, dude, they were sketch. I mean, they were. Well, super they still sketch. are if you don't if you don't take care of them correctly, and that's also where the LIFE comes in. It's a very safe cell chemistry. If you over discharge it, it's not going to blow up and burn your house down. Um, it, uh, it same thing for overcharging it. The problem, uh, uh, on the other hand, is that they are lower energy density, which means that they're going to be heavier, larger packs for the same capacity. Um, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Nick. I think their time is over. It was really only to hold on to the six volt servos. Yeah, yeah. And they all used to be servo volt. systems. Yeah, yeah everything was. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, man, they were once they hit that regular shape, it was awesome. I mean, that was kind of yep. like, oh, everyone started throwing away all their regulators at that point. But we're kind of then you got to you got to remember to switch the cell chemistry on your uh, charger. Yeah. yeah, that was the only annoying <laughs> <Yep>. thing. <laughs> if you had a mix, yeah, I used to run them all the time but, too, though on my nitros. Yeah. Probably for so the first oh yeah, three years. Tons of them. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks, yep. Ben, for sending that. We do appreciate it. Hopefully that gets you some answers. Next one is from Anthony. He says, hello, I've been flying my X3 recently and have stretched it to use 380 millimeter blades and, it's, uh, and also a belted tail drive. There are a few different tail gears available, and I was wondering which would be better, using stock gearing with bigger tail blades or go with stock tail blades and a speed-up tail gear. Because of the stretching, the tail doesn't hold well with the stock tail gear and blades. I have the speed-up tail gear, but I could blow the tail out if I'm a little heavy-handed with the collective, which in my mind makes my tail control marginal. I did the same thing with my X4 II, but went with bigger tail blades instead of, instead of the speed-up gear, and it holds no matter what I do. So what do you think? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Justin and I laugh about this because, oh, buddy, have we for years, years, many a long discussion nights about this. Yeah, Justin, I'm going to I'm going to let you run with this. And Jesse, I know you've messed around with this, too. So I'm going to let you guys go. We've all been through. Well, Jesse and I went through the thing with the warp, right? Yeah. Uh, Justin and I, 380. Right. Well, yeah, and even well before that on on the bigger helicopters. I mean, yep. it's gone as far as to the point where I have uh I've attempted to develop several equations to describe relative tail authority so that we can get a measure of the relative difference between one configuration and another. Um, so this this is a topic that is definitely near and dear to all of our hearts. Um, I think, you know, the disclaimer here is that 
over the the years that Nick and I have spent time on this and the many, many models, I would say kind of like you said, Nick, from a small heli all the way up to the big ones. Yep. Two and three blade um, tail and holy cow. You may you may be able to develop some guidelines and best practices, and that's kind of what the math that we played with will do for you. But at the end of the day, it seems to be very model specific. And we've had situations where one works better than another on one model and vice versa elsewhere. Um, it's it's interesting, though, that Anthony stated that on his X4, the bigger blades seem to hold better. Um, that I would call that a general guideline that Nick and I have found found over the years going through the data is that when faced with the possibility of either speeding it up or going to larger blades with the same ratio, more often than not, not all the time, the larger blades actually will do better for you. Agreed. Um, you know, there are a number of different considerations that you got to think about going through this. The, the speed up gear, okay, that's great. So now you're spinning the same size blades faster. Uh, the problem with that is that you're also robbing quite a bit more power from the main uh, drivetrain as a result of quick load changes on the tail. And larger load changes make governing more challenging, make tail authority more challenging because those large load changes translate into torque changes, which means that the tail has to be more responsive. Uh, so, uh, I think generally speaking, the larger blades make a lot more sense and, uh, they're far more efficient from a power standpoint to spin a larger area slower. Yes. And that's, I think, I think that's what plays probably the bigger role. That's kind of my gut. Yep. It's just that, I mean. And that's effectively how I developed the figure of merit for relative tail authority. Yeah. Now. With that logic. Having said all of that, and Jesse, I know we went through this with yep. the warp. At some point, you just don't want to go bigger blades. Yep. Yeah, when they're already that size. So, yeah, with the warp, and I think it's the same thing with the 380. Absolutely. Yep. The, the speed up pulley or, you know, going up in the pulley size, just spinning those same blades a little bit faster. And I think the main thing for me with the warp was it's already so stinking close to be in what I mean, what you would call perfectly acceptable, per, you know, the right amount of tail authority that just that little bit of extra was all that it needed to push it over the edge mm -hmm. to give you just that little bit of extra bump in performance. So in that case, for that model, yeah, the, the speed up pulley ended up being the key with the exact same tail blades. Well, and especially when you're dealing with something that's sitting right on the ground anyway. I, I really yep. don't want to put bigger tail blades when every time I land it in uneven ground, I'm already hitting the little ones Scraping. that are on there. Yep. And and I mean that's the that's the practical standpoint. Um and you would think tail blades get cheaper when they get that small, but Yeah, no, they they don't. <laughs> they don't get much cheaper. Not at all. So yeah, I uh I guess to answer your question, Anthony, I always choose to go in the direction of a bigger blade within reason first. Um, it might, you know what, you might actually find that in the case of this, since you went with the speed up and it only made it somewhat better, you might actually need to go both. Um, be aware that a larger 
you know, a larger disc spinning faster, um, you could potentially run into vibration issues. That's the other thing. Um, that's another reason why going slower with a bigger yep. disc size is nicer because less we, sensitive to unbalance. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. That frequency down. Um, but yeah, I, I would personally try that first within reason and then speed up if needed. If you've got the clearance, you yeah. got to have clearance, Clarence. Good question. I like it. Yeah, I do. All right. So the next one is from Ian. And I actually really like this question. And why I like it, because it's just not that simple. And we see answers from a bunch of people all over the place. So what he says, um, I have a question that may sound fairly basic, but I'm interested to hear your response. How do you decide on which ESC you acquire for a given motor? When buying an ESC, I always try to match or exceed the max continuous amp rating of the given motor as specified by the manufacturer. However, and here's his parentheses, assuming the information is accurate, I've noticed that many super combo kits often come with an ESC that is rated lower than the motor. And I haven't heard of many people having issues. For example, the Align 550L Super Combo Kit comes with a Talon 90, but the max continuous draw of the motor is 115 amps. Also, recently Jesse upgraded from his Castle Creation 120 to a Hobby Wing 160. Presumably, he has run the 120 with the same motor in previous models with no issues, but is upgraded to future proof should he stretch the Protos. Uh, or longer blades, as you all agreed that the 120 wouldn't be rated high enough. And, it, you know, he goes on to explain that he's kind of in the same position with this Rush 700, and he wants to stretch it to 750s. He's got a Scorpion 130 on there now, paired with the Align 800 MX. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've got a YGE 160 on my Goblin that I maybe should swap over and kind of do a swip swap on him. So, Jesse, I'll, I'll let you run with this one because you oh, you and I have played this game. Yeah, and I think, well, and kind of as we mentioned, I have used the, so right now I'm running the Scorpion 4525-520 Ultimate uh, motor on the Protos. And I think one of the main things is on previous models, the helicopter was a lot lighter. Um, and so, f I don't, I mean... I don't know, for me, one of the main things was you're looking at, so now you're continuously flying around, you're throwing around one to one and a half pounds more weight. So you're going to be approaching that maximum amperage capacity of the ESC a lot more often, and that's going to lead to more heat buildup. And typically with the larger ESCs, you get more headroom and uh, more capacity, I guess, to dissipate that heat. Because most of the time what I found with the castles is it's not an issue of the overcurrent because you can take that current setting and set it to unsensitive, which I don't. Do you, do you guys remember what it is for the one twenty? Oh, insensitive is uh, is is it one sixty? No, for the one twenty, it's over two hundred. Yeah, is the one sixty is almost three hundred amps. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you. I mean, you can take those ESCs and set them to insensitive so you're not going to trip the current 
cap you know the the peak current capabilities of the speed controller it's more of are you hanging around that continuous max rating which is going to cause more heat to build up and that 120 with being such a small um footprint it just doesn't have the heat sink and the capability to get rid of that heat and handle that higher current where something like the hobby wing 160 which Obviously, if you put the two speed controllers side by side, <laughs> you'd notice quite a big difference in the heat sinks and the cooling capabilities, and the I mean, which leads to the current capability because more cooling you can higher uh, handle a higher current. Um. So yeah, I mean, with with my model and adding the weight, and then like you you also mentioned stretching it, so potentially adding more load with the blades, you're just you're gonna be near that maximum amperage rating a lot. Uh, more frequently and i'm trying to look right now what scorpion actually rates for that yeah it's about 100 but <laughs> maximum continuous current there maximum you go maximum continuous okay. 100 amps but i think there's something we need to be very uh, uh i guess we need to remind ourselves and everyone is that motor can uh, a motor only puts out power that you demand on it yeah, it's not just it's, sitting there putting out a hundred amps or whatever. So it it takes whether I mean yeah, if you, if you have a larger motor, it, it it takes the same amount of power to move a set amount of weight, you know, to change the momentum. Yeah, or, yeah. To I move mean, it, obviously, there's to accelerate it in a certain direction. There's small things and, with efficiencies and all that kind of crap. Or yeah, with winding or whatever. And, but yeah, yeah. so. What we're getting, I think what Jesse's saying, and Justin, I can tell you're just, you're, you're ready. I can, I can, I can <laughs> I'm, feel I'm it. Ready. I, but Bro. in my experience, you know, I've, I've danced this 120 160 line quite mm -hmm. a bit, but there, it really is a complicated thing. It's not as simple as, well, it works or it doesn't. You can take a 120 and fly it up here in the Northwest, right? On and someone who's going to sport fly it, it doesn't matter if you run a Scorpion fifty twenty five in that thing, it might work perfectly fine, because maybe you know a we have a cooler climate up here, so my ambient temperature is not one hundred and fifteen degrees like it's going to be in Arizona. Now we're starting out the flight fifty fifty degrees higher, you know, and or where is it mounted? How is the cooling? You know, like Jesse was saying, with the 160, my 160 doesn't even get above ambient. The heat sink on it is huge. Whereas with the 120s, they ran perfectly fine. They ran perfectly fine in the winter. But in the summer, woo, I was starting to get some heat on them bad boys. Well, so then I ran a fan on them. And now you're talking about a 30-degree drop just with running a fan on it. Now I'm back into safe territory. but. Okay, normal flight, I might not start pulling that much power. But boy, let me tell you, I have pulled right here. So max continuous power on a 45, 25, 4,450 watts, I have pulled that. No problem in a hurricane. Pretty much as long as I wanted to. Now, that might all be well and fine, on 690s or for a short amount of time or with a fan but now if i want to go to 710s i'm just i'm working the motor that much harder i'm staying like jesse said up at the max 
a lot more. And, and every ounce you add to the helicopter increases that demand That's right. on the motor. How much I'm going to be up at the top. So there is a lot of things to really take into consideration. Uh, you know, they say, okay, why do they sell it? Well, let's be honest. 90% of the people that buy that Align 550 kit are not hard smack guys. And it will work perfectly fine. I don't know why they put that in there. I've shut one of those down on a Goblin 500 to me, but that's for my flying style, where it's mounted on that particular helicopter. And so I do believe that a line has historically always ran one size too small on their speed controllers that they put in their kits. Always. But they're trying to keep the cost down and they're trying to take an average of, you know, who is going to buy this. They're basically yep. gambling on how much do I think you're really going to pull out of this system? And can you? I mean, do you have the skill and capability to max it out? Justin, go ahead. Okay. So uh, I. I definitely think that Jesse hit on a good point with regard to consideration of future proofing. And, you know, certainly if you think you're going to upgrade to something that's well outside of the class of model that you have, then that's something you need to take into consideration. And Nick, your point on the temperatures, that's another good one. Um, however, I think that, I mean, this is a, this is a topic that is one of my pet peeves. And I'll tell you why. It's because I think that the ESC companies make a load of money off of these kinds of arguments because they sell shit that is entirely unnecessary for 99% of the people out there. Um, for first and foremost, uh, the fact that you're able to peak the motor out in a hurricane is interesting and useful information. But it's not something that occurs throughout the entire flight. People no, don't uh -uh. just sit there and do hurricanes for five minutes straight. Okay. Second of all, these ESCs. Tim Jones does. As, that's true. <laughs> but that's on a nitro. <laughs> Sorry. These ESCs, as a matter of standard design practice, have a peak current headroom that typically starts at 50% above the nameplate rating. And that's even derated from the full capability thermally. So there is a lot of capability in these devices, a lot. Um, case in point, my Goblin Speed review used a Castle 160, and I logged two-and-a-half-minute flights where over the two-and-a-half minutes, the average current was in the 140 to 150 range with peaks upwards of 300 amps at times. Um, th these are far more capable than people really expect, and that's on a speed heli. 3D helis don't come anywhere close, with the exception, small exception of some of the really hardcore guys, to what a speed heli puts ESCs through. Um, the the uh, the other side of this is that I always hear people make the argument that thermally I want headroom because it will ensure that the device lasts longer. 
generally speaking, in the power electronics world, if an electrical component makes it through a period which we would colloquially refer to as burn-in, where it has been broken in through some temperature cycling initially, then it's usually considered to have infinite life unless there is some other degradation mechanism going on, like corrosion of the electrical contacts and stuff like that. So I say a line's doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing because no one's going to run that motor at 100 amps. Even if they could, it probably wouldn't happen in a 550 because the mass and disk size isn't sufficient to get up there. Hmm. I agree, but I'm also torn because I think a lot of these ratings and numbers are all with the huge air quotes of with adequate airflow. And that's where it really comes into it. Oh, I I hear you. I I don't, uh, you can take a, an 80 amp, you know, max continuous current motor, put it on an Align 550 put a Talon 90 on it, I'll shut that bitch down. I can almost guarantee you, I would bet money on that because it's it's all a ratio of, like you said, how much are you doing it per flight? How often are you up at the top? Your, your average current for the course of the flight. And I mean, you know, okay, so if the speed controller is, what is it? If it shuts down at, I mean, what's a castle shut down at? The, well, for 160, one? 290 amps and insensitive. No, I mean, uh, temperature-wise, excuse 100 me. 100 C. 100 C. Most all of the speed controllers have an internal set point at 100 C or thereabouts. I just don't want to get there. And I mean, why? why would I dance... Why would I dance in the 80% range of that with a smaller one when I could go to a bigger one and run in the 30% or 40% heat range of that? Oh, no, I, I hear you. And that's that's a valid argument. And that's what I'm saying is it it's if it makes you feel more comfortable about your situation because you believe that for that particular unit, you're going to continue to progress to the point where you really think that you can push it to its limits, then by all means, go for it. I'm saying for the the Joe Schmo average pilot, for nine, probably 90% of the people out there who aren't progressing all that significantly or happy doing what they're doing, mild 3D, maybe even a little bit of smack, they're not coming anywhere close to pushing the limits of their ESC. And I don't think that the manufacturer, we're relying on their their statistics and their specifications. And I just don't think that that's, I don't think that that's something that we should do. (laughs) I think we, you know, I, I used to argue this in the beginning. I was like, well, you know, in theory, this should be this or that. And I had all these guys that were like, Hey dude, I I hear you. It says that it should work. Right. Okay. A, A 45, 25, 520 right here. Max continuous current, 100 amps. Max continuous power, 4,450 watts. So why, in theory, why would a 120 never work on that? Why wouldn't it? 
because you have an underpowered motor and you're getting into commutation errors. And that it's, you think so? Yep, absolutely. Because I hear people say it all the freaking time. Well, well, this is a lot more. They they derated this motor because my data says that it peaked at 220 amps. No, no. It peaked at 220 amps and you shut down because you're running one size too small of a motor and pushing it too hard. And the ESC and motor are out of sync. And when that happens, you get a computation error. So then how come it... Is it just because the the peak of the 160 would be that much higher that it might not shut down then? Yeah, right. Because the peak, you know, what, what it's it's a percentage of the total on insensitive current. Yeah. So, you know, one on the 160, so that's 80 percent above. So 1.8 times 120 puts you at 217 amps. For insensitive, two. I think, and that's what uh, that's what people kind of run into is. Well, this just works. I have problems with this. This just works. So therefore, this is the right size. And it's just such such a huge variable because, I, I mean, I've flown one twenties for years, and you haven't had, a, had problem. a problem. No, but it's because I have good collective management. I always check my temperatures and make sure that I had good airflow. If I didn't, I put a fan on it. You know, I... I weren't you running to lower head speeds when you were running the 120s all the time? Yeah. And th- so that's another great point. Yeah. At 2000 or 1950 or 2000. I mean, dude, Nick Maxwell runs a cat uh, 120 on his E700 that he had. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? Because when he does push it hard... He does so with good enough collective management to maintain the power demand within the specs of the motor, which for his particular motor is well below the capability of a 120. But when you get someone out there that's ham-fisted and is just throwing sticks into the corners, then you can bog an electric heli. And when you do that, if you've got the right set of conditions, you will blow shit up. Gotcha. So it's not that the motor is that the motor is not correct. Well, the motor is not correctly sized for the ESC. What you're saying is that the motor might not be correctly sized for the model and, and the, the loads that you're putting it on. And, the the and that uh, then the th- and then because of that, the speed controller is the one that takes the shit end out of the stick. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's now right. see that is an excellent. Excellent thing, because I had never really even thought about it like that. Yeah, my, motor size and skill are inversely yeah. proportional. Yeah, I mean, I, I was <laughs> shutting down a Cosmic 200 on my TDR-1 for probably the first 30 flights because I had a Pyro 750 on it, which is a 4425. And when I started going back and looking through the logs, it's because I was throwing commutation errors left and right under full load because the motor couldn't handle it. And what happens is the motor, the ESC is saying, I need more. I need more. And the motor's like, I don't have any more. And it lags behind in timing. And when it lags behind, the ESC sees the lag and it says, I got to get even more into this motor to catch up because I'm falling behind. And that's when it puts the pedal to the metal. 
and it drops hella current. Fire! Fire! Yeah. Fire! Yeah, that's, fire! That's fire! right. Exactly. Well, excellent, excellent one. I, I mean, this is just turned in. I dig this kind of stuff because that's that's oh, even yeah. one that, you know, I think I knew, but I just never really put two and two together. I mean, everything's so overpowered these days. You just don't really think about overpowering the motor, but it all depends on what you're doing and your collective management. So, And at the end of the day, peace of mind is worth it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the difference in price, and if it makes yep. you feel better and you think you'll be able to grow with it better, buy the bigger ESC. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one thing you can't really hurt other than weight yeah, by running well, them too yeah, big. Absolutely. Absolutely true. So, yeah, Ian, yep. keep that in mind. Keep your motor in mind as well as your flying style, and that usually the ESC is the one that takes the shit in out of that deal. And uh, just kind of be smart about it, and it, it really does kind of depend um, on the situation. Good cool. question. All right, guys, on that note, I think it's about time to wrap this one up. Good discussions, great questions. If you have some questions, send those to us at questions at rcalienation.com. Don't be afraid to record one. We will play it on the air, and we will do our best to make it sound like your testicles have dropped. Make you famous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh let's see i think we should do some emails nick how could i get in touch with you if i needed to uh you would send me an email at nick at rchillynation.com how about you justin you could send me an email to justin at rchillynation.com and jesse you could send me an email to jesse at rchillynation.com i'm dan you can reach me at dan at rchillynation.com dan can read on uh, facebook and the forums as well Uh, Speaking of Facebook, uh, appreciate your support there. Check it out. And, of course, our lovely new webpage is a great way to kind of see what's happening. If you have an event that you would like to see posted, or maybe you have a shirt question, a citizen registration question, you can address those to Ken at rchillynation.com. He'll handle that for you. This has been episode 225. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We will see you next Monday. Later. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soko Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, and Superiosity. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.
Yes, I did. Oh, shit.